Okay, guys, you know, every chance I get, I, I work Mark Twain into anything I can possibly do. And, and uh, before we started recording, we were talking about uh, Mark Twain essay called the, the Horrible German Language, which is required reading for anybody who's horrible or German. <laughs> or uh, took a the, little German in school. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite uh, Mark Twain essays is called Fenimore Cooper's Literary Offenses. And the thing about Mark Twain that made Mark Twain is he was really the first American author to write in plain English and communicate ideas directly. He was going all against that Walter Scott floweriness and floweriness. And he took apart uh, something from um, the uh, the Deerstalker, I guess, something that Fenimore Cooper wrote. And this is a quote from the essay from, from Twain. Uh, he says that, quote, in the restricted space of two-thirds of a page, Cooper has scored 114 offenses against literary art out of a possible 115. And then he goes through and lists all the things he did with this flowery language. So flowery language jargon is used in order to camouflage the fact that you've got nothing to say. That's really what it's about. I'm offended. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> you should not. You're not only offended. You're out, you're offended and outraged to uh, to a degree incalculable to the, to the degree, human mind. Right. <laughs> okay, so so as a general rule, the more garbage you put into describing something, and the more complicated you try to make it sound, the stupider it is. Complicated is easy. Simple is hard. And because we see so much of this uh, woke. Um, uh, ideology uh, permeating our culture. I saw this on our Instapundit uh, friends page. I'd like to read you a description of a course. I think it's at Kenyon College. And I'm just going to read the whole thing. That okay. is K-E-N-Y-O-N, so, right? I think so. Yeah. Um, now, an engineering course on civil engineering will be we're going to cover, uh, you know, building loads and we're going to cover, uh, you know, steel tensile strength and, and bending functions. Here's um, here's what the uh, – here's what a course on um, – on uh, some kind of study studies reads. Sit back, relax, grab a coffee. Okay. Oh, I drank my, my coffee. <laughs> tell me, tell me if this is a course that you'd like to go to. Are you ready? I'm ready. It's about a gender studies course. Hmm. How do you read gender? How do you read sexuality? How and in what ways have gender and sexuality been written and rewritten? This course serves as an introduction to queer and transfeminist theories and practices in gender and sexuality studies, conceptualized through its intersections with race, ethnicity, coloniality, class, and ability. The sex-gender system of oppression has long served as a taxonoming apparatus, and yet the literary, in league with the anti-colonial civil rights and LGBTQ social movements, not only shed sharp light on how gender and sexuality are regulated in trouble but also animates the liberatory potential of imagining embodied relations otherwise. At once world-building and world-shattering, representations of gender and sexuality can leverage critiques against normativity in the same gesture as they bow to reproducing it. Taking our transnational cue from subjugated knowledges and intersexual epistemologies, we'll <laughs> constellate the diverging genealogies and methodologies that have shaped the politics and aesthetics as well as the ethics and effects of gender and sexuality. Against the traffic of binary opposition, we'll index the the possibilities of intimacy and performativity that determine desiring subjects and their objects. As a class collective, our aim will be to read and reread as well as write and rewrite texts that interrogate and complicate how gender and sexuality as contested sites of pleasure and pain are embodied and experienced. The geographic and generic focus of this course may vary. For more information, students should contact the instructor. Now, for more I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, for more as if as if it's possible to have more information. Is that the headline so, part in the middle so, again? So, t yeah. do you, you want me to read the middle part again? No, please, 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 no. 
I can't believe I got through it without 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 choking. Um, okay, so so let, let's treat this seriously for, for a change, right? Let's let's. Yeah, I know it's absurd and ridiculous, but let's treat it seriously. What did they say there? What is that course about? I'm I'm taking. It's about why taking, everybody sucks who doesn't take this course. I, no, but seriously, I think honestly, it sounded now, more like what, what, it said that the teacher wants to keep the teacher to student ratio low because that description <laughs> will do it. Both funny answers, but seriously, what do you think that course is about? Do you have I have no idea? idea. Something queer. That's right. That's right. Something queer. It's something queer, but I don't know what it is. So look. This is this is something that you pay several hundred thousand dollars for to get a bachelor's degree in. And if you look at uh, Gen Z on TikTok, if you look at now, I'm, I'm talking about the, the really woke TikToks, right? Libs of TikTok kind of thing. But what you see more and more is you see 19 or 20 year olds lecturing you on how you're uh, not appreciating your privilege. And it's, it's, a, it's a nothing but a lecture that uses these nonsense terms and it's delivered with the kind of arrogance that comes from being 20. All of us were 20 at some time, mm. although, you know, well, our average audience is, you know, deceased. But nevertheless, it's not, just, it's not just the arrogance that comes with being 20 trying to explain something to your parents. It is what they are trying to explain is a mishmash of words that have no meaning whatsoever. The entire philosophy is predicated upon parsing language to the degree that it doesn't make any sense anymore. And I remember during the Rodney King trials, when they were out in Simi Valley, somebody was talking about how the uh, defense attorneys for the uh, policemen were saying, if you, now, if we, let's back the, let's back this thing up two frames. You'll see if we look at frame 113 through 119, you can see Mr. King's left shoulder coming up off the ground. He's obviously trying to get up and stuff. And somebody said, look, a really good lawyer can convince you that an elephant can tie its tail to a daisy and hang off a cliff by it, but that doesn't mean it's true. Right. When you can parse things into such into such molecules, you you can create a system where you are saying something that doesn't make any sense yeah, we, we, at we, all. They've reached peak deconstructivism where they've That's deconstructed right. deconstructivism. It's, That's right. it's 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 nihilism disguised as education. Uh, for the purpose of uh, uh, the politicalization of sex, which that is another a way lot of destroying families. <laughs> That's half of it. Well, half of it is is the, is the politicization. There's another part. Let's see if and, Scott. And can I want to see what the frankly, because we're taking this course in isolation. Is the rest of the course catalog written that way? Like because to I'm me, I'm sure this is the most extreme example, but I, I'll bet you most but, of it is. Well, what I'm saying is, to me, if you're, I mean, it sounds like an elective. Um, because otherwise you wouldn't have to write that big description. It would just be called Queer 101 and you'd have to take it. And so, you know, you don't have to sell it. But it sounds to me like they were trying to sell it and they need to talk to somebody in the advertising and marketing department to find out how you actually sell something. Because if you were writing that for a student who's 19 or 20 years old and you're trying to induce them to take this class, you would write it in the language of students. You would write it in a way that they could understand it. And it would start off with something like, you know, 
Do you get annoyed by blank? Or have you ever wanted to blank? Or, you know, something like that that would try to connect with them personally and show how this will make a difference in their life. Instead, they get all, you know, they've got epistemology all over their trousers and you're done reading it. You still don't know what's happened. Oh, well, man. speaking of epistemology, I'm pretty pissed off about this. But the bottom line, Scott, is this is the language of students. That's kind of the point I'm trying to Not make. Not real here. students. This is how they talk. Maybe grad students. I've had gay friends and uh, okay. gay acquaintances uh, on, on Twitter and elsewhere tell me the same thing in, in various ways, that the biggest mistake LGB ever made was letting the Q and the T tack themselves on. And uh, – <laughs> The way it was deduced for me is lay, uh, gay, lesbian, bi, these are sexual orientations. And whether it's innate or learned or it's complicated, I don't care. Have your fun. Do your thing. But queer is the Marxist politicalization of sexual preference. And trans is a mental condition that has been weaponized against normalcy. Well, the, to say that this is all just haha, ha, you know, academic stuff, it, it it is now official policy at Disney theme parks to not say "ladies and gentlemen" anymore. You can't say that anymore yeah. because because it's offensive to people who aren't ladies or gentlemen. Can't say "boys and girls" in the park either. Uh, and so to say that this is just something that lives on college campuses is no, no, no. That's not what I'm saying I'm, at all, Bill. I think you completely misunderstood what I said. I think this topic is is ascendant in the culture, as if you want to call it that. I just don't think the description of that course would induce anybody to sign up for the course. They didn't speak completely disagree. enough to... So you think that the obfuscation is, this, is the, is the appeal sauce? Absolutely. Yes. That's exactly my case. 100%. That's the appeal of it, right? Because it's yeah. not really about anything. How and are so you going to confuse about, that at We talk about politicizing and stuff, but, but the main reason... The main reason that this is appealing to people is the narcissism of it, because it sounds important and it sounds like oh, it's okay. got consequences and it sounds like you have to be pretty smart to understand it. When in point of fact, it's just a bunch of people sitting around talking about their, their boyfriends, girlfriends, or whatever the case may be. It is, it is the desire to add weight and, and consequence to a subject that hasn't got any. And they think that the more they can get into this kind of this is an attempt to make something that sounds a little bit scientific. It's certainly intended to make it sound sophisticated. So you use all of these words and you use them in this case to the point where you are no longer making any sense. And I'm maintaining that's the attraction of the course. You, so this it's is not, really beyond the, not, the subject matter. It's really more about um, cultivating this idea among college students that if you speak in inscrutable ways, it will be it will make you look intelligent. Yes. So then if now we now we look at the other side of the equation. What what is the output in terms of what are students saying? And you'll see hundreds of these TikToks where they'll start explaining that, you know, your problem is, you see, you don't appreciate your privilege because you're not neurodivergent like I am. Oh, yeah. Today, that, that's a real popular term now, neurodivergent. Uh, we would just say crazy because that's kind of exactly what it is. But they don't like crazy. They like neurodivergent. Nobody wants to be crazy, but everybody wants to be neurodivergent because if you're neurodivergent, you're special. Uh -huh. And if you're special, then that's that's the result of, of giving everybody a participation trophy and telling every single child that their art is the greatest art in the universe and that everything they do, they don't have to work for. They just automatically are the best. And, and 
It is the result of, of people whose entire goal in life is to accumulate followers on Instagram or, or whatever. It's narcissism. It's, it's narcissism and self-importance. We often call that virtue signaling, but in this particular case, you're not really signaling virtue. This is kind of inside baseball for these people. What you're doing is you are creating, you are creating a false sense of importance and a false sense of relevance. You know, to something that is neither. Bill, this this is what's been gnawing at me, and I didn't have the words for it until just now. You mentioned narcissism, and and that is the correct word. But before just the last few years, I would think of a narcissist as somebody who is really good looking and maybe thinks they're even better looking than they actually are, or thinks they're more important than they should be because of how good looking they are, or how skilled they are at some particular sport just makes them all better than than everybody else who, who is not so good at that particular sport. But we're talking about narcissists whose uh, minds have been filled with nothing but porridge all their lives. They're, they're vacuous fools with with blue hair that's they've right. got nothing and, going for them and yet they think so highly of themselves and now we get to another symptom of uh, this is this is the cause this is the this is the bacillus and and now let's look at what the symptoms of people who come out uh, after exposure to this is i mentioned this before a couple months ago maybe in a show where th where if you think trans is the hot topic now the next topic that is going to be on the social radar is 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 fat phobia. And I cannot tell you how many TikToks I've seen from fat people explaining that fatness is a social construct and that you are trans, you are fat phobic for not being attracted to fat people. And furthermore, fatness is the result of not that there's anything wrong with it. It's something to be celebrated, but it's also the result of white supremacy and colonialism and all the rest of this stuff. And they've got all of these jargons and all of these terms. And they've got these studies that say it's, it's actually healthier to be extremely overweight than it is to go on a diet <laughs> and so on and so on and so on. I'm so actually on. just a lipid divergent. You're the yeah. perfect. There, You're yes, a grandmaster. You're a grandmaster. You know, so. Oh, sorry, Bill. Go ahead. No, no, you know you oh, go. Okay, ahead. there's there, there's something I noticed. There was a, uh, a there was a preference cascade that started about thirty years ago, and every maybe a little longer ago than that, and everything changed very quickly. When two thirds of adults smoked, you could smoke anywhere. Uh, there was there would be a a small non smoking section non -smoking of the restaurant. Section. You could smoke on planes. You could smoke in the airport. You, you, did, did, everybody smoked. Sorry to interrupt you. Everywhere. Sorry to interrupt you. All the time. Do you remember the non-smoking section on the airplane? You know, that pressurized cylinder that we're all in? Yes. The non-smoking yes. section of the airplane? Yeah, okay, it, go ahead, sorry. Exactly. Um, but as soon as the, the, the percentage of adults who, who smoked crossed the threshold of below 50%, everything changed very rapidly. Uh, suddenly, uh, if you wanted to, to, to smoke, you had to go stand on the sidewalk and not too close to the door of the building. Um, mm -hmm. And... Suddenly, it was very rare to find anybody smoking indoors. And as I said, this this cascade started just as soon as it was, we reached that under 50 percent tipping point. Well, we've got a major obesity problem in this country, and it's largely due to that that that, that high fructose corn syrup poison that is subsidized and put in mm. everything. It's just awful. Um and it leads to diabetes and heart problems and, and all the rest. But this this we're hitting the preference cascade where so many people are suffering from from obesity that that is going to become the new normal. And those of us who are not are going to be the weirdos who have to wait outside. 
normalize it. That's what this language does. Well, and frankly, when I heard you read that course description, Bill, my first thought was somebody emailed the professor and said, listen, Emily, I need to have that course description by 4 p.m. And Emily was thinking, I got nothing. And the, her supervisor, her supervisor wrote her back and said, well, then just write that. And she did. Exactly correct. Yes. Except she didn't say I need it by 4 p.m. She said, I need it by next May. Right. So, so, you know, if I had more time, I would have written less. That's right. The, 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 the yeah. that's it. So the reason I bring this up is because this is what the language is doing and the other thing that we're seeing out there now is a strong, strong push to to define normal normality out of the language and to make it not only not a word that can be used, but also an evil word. And, and there's a moral opprobrium attached to it as well. Right. So what I mean by this is we're not normal men. We're we're cis normal. We're we're we're. We're heterocentric. We're heterocentric. What does the cis we are stand for? CIS. What is that? What is that? Is I that a short form uh, of a word? Yeah, it's it's for uh, normal. It's from Greek or Latin or something, right? So, okay. so what I'm saying is, when you've got a fraction of the percentage of a population that is trying to exert social engineering, one of the things that they try to do is to say we're not some microscopic percentage. Our position is as valid as your position. I'm trans, you're cis-hetero, you're cis-normal. And by applying that, that adjective to, to, to normal people, now it's just a question of which one of these, you know, perfectly equal, perfectly valid choices are you? And this is, this is the power of the language and why we gotta be, we gotta be on our guard against this. I was trying to think of an analogy for this and I, and I was able to come up with one. What they want is they want you to say, that you are a, a you are a, you're not just a normal guy who's attracted to women. You are a a cis uh, male. You are heteronormative, right? They want you to say that. And to me, it's the equivalent of me demanding. Let's say I had my appendix removed, right? And I'm and I'm in a conference room full of people, and I say, listen, uh, I am. I had my appendix removed, but all of you non-altered people need to start describing yourself as non-altered because you have your appendixes or appendices, appendices. right which is kind of weird those of you with those of you with appendices are 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 offending and and negative and and negating those of us who've had appendix appendicitis and appendix removals appendectomies and so i don't want to be referred to as a guy who's had an appendectomy i want you to be referred to somebody who's unaltered surgically unaltered appendectomy Appendectively normative. <laughs> well, you know, we've gone to now in my church, we have to refer to ourselves as non-atheists. Um, it's no longer acceptable. <laughs> to say to believers. Say believers. That's right. We have to define ourselves in terms of what we are not and being the, the negation of what we are not. <laughs> so just to wrap this up, in the interest of fairness, and I am serious about fairness, I really genuinely am. This idea that this is something that happens to the, to the left lunatics and doesn't happen to uh, sensible people is just plain not true. 
the ability to, to puff yourself up, the desire to puff yourself up, the desire to seem important by using big words applies yeah. to everybody who speaks a language. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to leave you with something that's going to remove the limited uh, uh, ad revenues that we get on, on these uh, individual shows. And I am going to show you, since it's long overdue, the most astonishing uh, application of jargon in a way to make a point that is ever possible. Engineers have to think clearly, and jargon and this kind of gobbledygook not only works its way into engineering, and with Fenimore Cooper works its way into literature, works its way into everything. So, ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax, and enjoy this particular description of a remarkable new technology that's about to be put in place called the Turbo Incabulator. For a number of years now, work has been proceeding in order to bring perfection to the crudely conceived idea of a transmission that would not only supply inverse reactive current for use in unilateral phase detractors, but would also be capable of automatically synchronizing cardinal grammeters. Such an instrument is the turbo encabulator. Now, basically, the only new principle involved is that instead of power being generated by the relative motion of conductors and fluxes, it is produced by the modial interaction of magneto-reluctance and capacitive directance. The original machine had a base plate of prefamulated amulite surmounted by a malleable logarithmic casing in such a way that the two spurving bearings were in a direct line with a panometric fam. The latter consisted simply of six hydrocoptic marzal veins so fitted to the ambifacient lunar wane shaft that side fumbling was effectively prevented. The main winding was of the normal lotus o delta type placed in panendermic semi-boloid slots of the stator, every seventh conductor being connected by a non-reversible tremie pipe to the differential girdle spring on the up end of the grammys. The turboencabulator has now reached a high level of development and it's being successfully used in the operation of nofertrunions. Moreover, whenever a fluorescent score motion is required, it may also be employed in conjunction with a drawn reciprocation dingle arm to reduce sinusoidal replenition. It's not cheap, but I'm sure the government will buy it.